You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Adam Marcello, has been a friend of mine all the way back to the Warp Tour days when he was out with Katy Perry. Adam has had a diverse and interesting career, not only touring with Katy for years, but recording for movies and TV, including the very memorable big band intro to the show Modern Family, becoming a go-to guy for electronics and a key player in the new Roland SPD-SX Pro, and continuing to tour and musical direct for incredible musicians such as Michael Patrick Kelly. We are going to talk about all of these things, including the many outfits he wore while touring with Katie. So come along with me as I catch up with Adam Marcello. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And tell us where here is at the moment. Where are you? I am in Dublin, Ireland. I moved here geez, maybe like 10 years ago. I guess it was right when I had our, we had our first, we, my wife and I, had our first son. And I was on tour so much and all her family was over here. We were living in LA with all our party friends, and now we mm-hmm. have this little child. So we moved here maybe when he turned about one and a half, and he's mm-hmm. 13 now, so 12 years, 10, 11 years. Jeez, long time. She's from here originally. That's the that's the connect the dots. She there grew up go. in Dublin, so okay. that's why it makes very, sense. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So how, how is it there? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you like it? I mean, it's great. I we we really like it. It's a great like sort of home base, you know. Again, being on the road so much, it's nice to just come back, and it's a great place to just kind of hang out. And it's good school systems, and they've got all their little friends here. And it's a great place. I I really enjoy it. And there's it. You know, I grew up in uh, Rhode Island, in America, mm-hmm. where you know the oldest buildings. That's some of the oldest buildings in America. That mm-hmm. was sort of the first colonized place. Um, but that dates back to, you know, 1400s. And sure. Some of the structures not even around. So it, it's funny. It's nice being here where just around the corner, there's an old church with uh, a cross from like the 1100s. It's just there, just a stone cross, but it's built on an old stone that was like a basin stone not exactly i'm messing up the whole thing but that stone is like three thousand years old and it was used in ancient sort of ceremonies so the culture and that's just right down the street you know you walk up and there's kids playing on it you know yeah I, I just i love that sort of element of being here too the sort of ancient culture i mean there is ancient culture in america as well the native americans and sure we, you know grew up learning all about that as well but sort of there was nothing really they didn't leave any structures behind right so exactly. there's no evidence of it really like we would find little arrowheads and stuff in the dirt in my yard but other than that they didn't like leave big buildings behind so sure so, yeah so. it is a weird thing i think the first time you experience something like that like that old you know you're you're similar to you so i grew up in boston so new england and it is like the oldest part of you know the modern america um, buildings and all of that and you think when you're growing up you think oh my gosh these these buildings are so old and there's so much history and then you travel somewhere else (laughs) and you see something that oh my goodness it's you know so much older and it's like a whole new perspective i think absolutely and it's great. It's great having that here. Um, and it's a great music scene, too. I mean, Ireland traditionally has been an amazing place for music. Absolutely. And and let's jump into the whole music thing. So what yeah. have you been up to most recently? Most recently, I have been, I mean, I do a lot of, I, I went through that phase of, you know, touring so much nonstop. And, and it was great. And I loved every second of it. And as as fun as it was, it was also really hard. And then the kids come along and it gets even more difficult. So I segued into more uh, 
musical direction and programming and show building. So I've been doing a lot of that recently with uh, a lot of acts over here. Mm -hmm. um, Jeremy Kennedy is one of them I've been working with a bunch, uh, putting their show together. Um, Tom Walker, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a UK mm -hmm. artist. Amazing. So I've been working with them a lot. A lot of that sort of thing. Um, I've also been on the road with, there's an artist called Michael Patrick Kelly. And he, it's actually fantastic. He only, he's mega huge in Germany. Yes. And we play these sold out arenas nonstop. He could play, he could just keep playing the same places over and over and over. So we just, yeah. and I, I put his show together and I actually play drums on that as well. Um, it's really fun. And we're going back out this Friday again for another three weeks in Germany, Austria. I think we might be going to Poland this time or the Netherlands. So it's really fun. That's great. Yeah. So you're getting like you're you're getting like the road experience, but like in smaller bursts, right? And exactly. Kind of, it's not yeah. like I'm going to Asia and Australia for two months, and I mm -hmm. even if I have four days off, I can't really come home. Like, right. This is great. If there's a day off, I'm two hour flight. I can just pop up a plane and come home. You know. Yeah. So that's great to to have that sort of option over here. I mean, Europe. And Germany in general is a huge music market. And mm -hmm. I think it's the second biggest in the world, maybe, after America. I could be wrong, but but it's it's huge. I, every time I go there, I'm just so surprised. You know, we'll play a show, and then we'll have to do a bus ride. And it's like 16 hours on a bus. I didn't be, it's just really, really big place. <laughs> I just forget, because I think of, you know, coming from America, which is massive, you think about Europe and it seems everything seems smaller, the country's smaller, but they're pretty like Germany and mainland is big. Definitely. So a lot of places to play. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think the, the interesting thing or one of the interesting things about Germany too is like the diversity in music styles from one place to the next. Right. Absolutely, like yeah. And I it's kind of like, I mean, in the US too, we have a lot of di diverse styles from from yeah. one place to the next. And as, as things are, you know, there's more uh, access to music. Um, it's become less kind of like sectioned off, but, um, but you yeah, still yeah. do, like you still do travel to different places in, in this country, in the U S and, and think like, Oh, there's a whole something scene going on here. That's different. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I, I like that. It still happens even in this like sort of, YouTube world that we live in where everything is just accessible at any moment from every device in our pocket and our TVs mm -hmm. and all that. I still like that individual, there's the individuality still in cities, you know, the difference between like Boston and Seattle is still a real thing. You know, LA and New York is still a real thing. And there's different sort of music vibes that happen in all those different places. I think that's really cool that we've retained that somehow. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's fun to like travel to different countries and listen to what, um, not only what local music they have going on, but then also I'm always fascinated by what music from what time period in America is playing in different countries. Oh, like, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> are they just that far behind that they're only playing 90s music or? Right. Or are is, they just really like, into Elvis? Like, what, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's one yeah. of those things. It's so it's so interesting, but yeah, so that's cool. cool. So you're getting like the road, the road life in shorter bursts, and then you're home. And um, yeah, and I I know that like you know having kids and having a family makes you kind of reconsider that constant road life. That's that is really kind of taxing. Um, yeah, it's, it's how, hard. How did you how did you feel like? Did the pandemic change any perspective for you with being home so much? It did, you know, because like right before lockdown, I so I didn't the last I was on tour with Katy Perry for years and like and those were the tours that were just sort of because I, I played with her from the start of her career and and it was like when it, it started and then it didn't stop. It, and she mm -hmm. just kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and turned into this amazing musical thing that she is. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to be along on that ride, but it was pretty much nonstop. We would tour and tour and tour. And then we'd have, even when we would take time off, we'd have to do a million shows and a million, you know, 
promo things and it, it it was great and at the time it was perfect um but then it overlapped with you know starting the family and so it, it got really hectic and so mm-hmm. i i didn't do a tour uh two tours ago i don't even remember what it was and i played on she was the judge on american idol that year so i played in the house band because i wanted to sort of stay <laughs> in one place yeah. and not yeah. do the tour and be able to come back and forth and that was great and then uh so I did that for a season and then went out and did a bunch more shows with her um, basically right up until lockdown. Uh, you know, we were, I think we were in Australia the day before, two days before Ireland shut it, shut it down. So we flew back and we finished, we played our show. It wasn't like, I remember being on the plane and thinking, I remember, you know, SARS and the bird flu. Yes. I was the ultimate sort of naysayer. My wife was like, you have to get home. This is really bad. And I was like, ah. And then yeah. we got home and everything shut down. And I was like, you were right. Um, oh my gosh. So, and then, you know, that whole, we did a bunch of the sort of like video performances and they were really fun, but it did sort of change my perspective thinking, you know, our whole industry just was it was amazing that it was on such a razor's edge and we didn't even realize it, you know? Yeah. And we, everybody's talked about this. We've all, we've all had these conversations, but the fact that it, it took, it only took this, this one. Right. And, and a lot of people got really sick and it was very, very horrible. Um, I don't mean to say it only took this cause it was a really devastating thing that happened, but the fact that it was something so basic that, mm-hmm. and, and, people like us were just out of a thing that we did for our entire lives, not knowing if it would ever come back, you know, that fear and sort of just confusion of like, am I ever going to be in front of a crowd of people again doing this, you know? Yes. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But, you know, at the same time, it was great to have a big old reset and sit at home and try to teach my kid, you know, homeschool, uh, whatever he was in, I guess, whatever level math I was trying to teach him. He, he learned long division at that point. I wasn't doing any of the new math. I, I need to see your work. We're doing long division. That's it. Yes. Yeah. And that was, but, that was, that was really challenging. I mean, all of, for all of the, the musicians that I've spoken with, um, and, you know, before I started this podcast, just the phone conversations that we would have about, will we ever get back? Will we ever see each other again? Like that was really hard because we're in an industry where we rely on human interaction. We rely on, you know, being being together. Right. Exactly. And so I think that was, that was probably the hardest thing to wrap our brains around, which was like, will it ever come back? And if it does, Will it ever be nearly the same or close or, you know, what are we facing? Right. What is this going to look like? Um, But I still hasn't really, I mean, it's back and we're playing shows and and everybody's Mm -hmm. in, but there's still this sort of haze that's hanging over everything, you know, where, you know, there's this weird sort of, could it just happen again? Or, you know, everything Mm -hmm. seems like, you know, this, this last tour that I was doing, we were doing COVID tests, you know, start right. every day you have to do a test. And I think the first day of production rehearsal, the guitar player tested positive and right. then the monitor guy tested positive. And it was like, they have to leave now. And so I had been recording, I record everything, every, every rehearsal, everything. Uh, so I built a whole set that night back in my hotel, just built a whole set of COVID tracks for everybody that still lives in the session. It's COVID wow. tracks that I can just unmute a live performance. And I feel like a crowd, fortunately he came, they all came back. They were done yeah, and they were healthy enough to come back before the tour actually started. But okay. I feel like a crowd would be sort of accepting of that in this day and age where it's like, I hear someone, I hear a guitar part, that's happening. I don't see one. I don't yeah. see, 
Yes. I feel like people can understand, you know, mm-hmm. what we're dealing with now. So, but that sort of changed my perspective a lot on, you know, what, like what a live show has to be now too. And what kind of, especially in the big pop shows, more redundancy for, for people now. Absolutely. Like having subs, because back in the Katie days, there were no subs. You know, we, sure. we, and the way that I built my rig with all the sort of automation and triggers and sounds and samples, I had painted myself into the biggest corner in the world because even if I broke my leg, I would have to do the show. There's no one that could just step in with the choreography of it all, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was, and so I, I would start filming everything from overhead and I would do recordings of the live show just in case I had to call up a buddy and be like, can you play the show tonight? Right. Because I got into a car accident or whatever. So here's the video. Here's what my hands are doing. Um, That's a little scary. Yeah, like, so back in those days, though, we were, you were sick. You went on stage. You know, you just, you did. there was no, there was no like calling in a sub because someone can, can't come on stage. It was just have a bucket on the side of the stage. And if you puke, I know. You puke. That was how, many, <laughs> how many times have we heard those stories or, oh, you know, yeah. experienced it? Maybe you experienced it, but like, yeah. you know, you just, you go out and you're sick and you just play it. Or, you yeah, know, I had so it. many experiences where um, I would be on the road for work and uh, you know, you'd be, not feeling great and you'd be at a trade show and I think about it now and I'm just like man you know we all <laughs> we all would go home sick from Nam or whatever like you would go uh, yeah, home exactly with like this terrible sickness I I, I went home with pneumonia once and you go oh, home with the flu and, you know it just was like that yeah. because you're all there and it didn't matter like you didn't you didn't stay home or you no, didn't stay. you just did it like there was you no there was no sub you don't call in a sub you know that was yeah. it yeah, and frankly, I wouldn't. I would never want to. Sell. I want to play. I I could be totally sick or have a broken leg or break or hurt something. I want to play. I want to do it. Like right. I don't want to call it as a. Now it's we're forced to have to do something. If if we do get something like COVID, mm-hmm. cannot show up. So it's a different. Right. That's a different sort of vibe. For sure. Yeah. And let's let's talk about like when you talk, when you talk about all the things that you did or you do now, and I know it evolves over time with new technology, but um, you're not sitting behind an acoustic kit, keeping the beat. You're doing so much. And when I think about someone using electronics and, you know, being um, an integral part of, of the production, I think about you Um can you talk about like what you did with Katie and what you do now um, with, with Michael Patrick Kelly and well, how that all works? Cause it's fascinating to me. It's, it's, you know, it, Katie would have been sort of the Genesis of that whole concept for me, at least, um, you know, people have been playing with triggers and samples and stuff loops for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. my introduction to it would have been on the Katie gig. I mean, I'd done stuff before where I, I had an SPDS, the original gray guy. And I, yeah. would, you know, I would run loops from it and we would even run like little backing tracks on, at, you know, at the hotel cafe in, in LA, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when I, when I got on the gig with Katie and there was this sort of void cause she was so new and you could see the trajectory in front of her. You know, it wasn't, we were playing Warp Tour. And I was, was there at that Warp Tour. <laughs> no way. Oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. You remember? Yes. I and do. I, <laughs> I have to just say, like, this was, it was so long ago. But I do remember seeing Katie and just being, like, totally, like, okay, this, this woman yeah. is you know, her, her career is, is going to take off. It's taking yeah. off. right? And that like, was right at her first record. It like just come out. And I think her yeah. first single had just happened and we were on the second stage. It wasn't even, yeah. we weren't even headlining. So yes. Uh, and it was just, you know, four guys and Katie and I had done, I had made some backing tracks and I was running it from my original, the iPod with the wheel, like a, not a yeah. touch. Yes. With the wheel on it, and I yes. soldered my own cable, splitter cable, ran tracks right, click left, back to my ears. So 
Wow. It was total mono. But we only did that on maybe like three songs. And the rest was mm -hmm. just flat out rock songs. Because that was kind mm -hmm. of her first record. But yeah. those few songs that were the big pop smashes, you could see where it was headed. And so I sat with my laptop on the tour bus and figured out, I, you know, people recommended Ableton Live. That was, mm -hmm. And that's still the program that I use now. They, you know, recommended it as the easiest one to run backing tracks and sort of the most versatile. So I just would sit in the lounge and dig into it. And I built sort of a show, cobbled together something that I thought was like a live show. And I brought mm -hmm. it to management. I was like, this is what's, this is the potential of what can happen. And just sort of slipped into this musical director role. I, I wasn't, in, I wasn't intending to, but it was this void that needed to be filled. And I would just, I just kind of stepped in and said, this can happen. She can do this instead of this, and it'll sound mm -hmm. this much better. And it would grow from there. And so the, back to your original question, the, the step ahead of that, or the step from that would be with my personal sounds, you know, because I think when you, when your artist is saying, you know, I want it to sound like the record. I want it to sound like the record. I want it to be live, but I want it mm -hmm. to sound like the record. It's our job to sort of marry that up and and make a like present this and make it sound correctly. And you could have the best sounding drums in the world, but it's not going to sound like a Lindrum or it's not going to sound like an 808. Right. You know, it's just that's the nature of a lot of these pop songs. So I was I started experimenting with using sounds within Ableton and sort of automating them mm -hmm. in, a, in a live context to make it, I, I didn't want to have it in a sense of some of these, some of these sounds change. The snare drum will change five times before we reach the chorus in some of these songs. Right. I'm not going to have five different snare drums tuned all crazy. I'm not going to, I don't want to have five pads triggering five different sounds. So I worked out a way to automate those sounds within a program so that I could have one pad that's always going to be my snare drum. So mm -hmm. I know it's going to change and it's going to automate and do all the stuff I want it to do. Um, and to me as a drummer, it made more sense. You know, guitar players are changing guitars every, every five seconds, you know. I'm right. not going to do that with my snare drum. I'm not going to swap off my cymbals every time. This was the perfect right. workaround for that. Um, and, and, it, and it was really fun to dig into, you know, and not to get too nerdy with it, but it's just basically assigning samples to an envelope, a MIDI envelope. So mm -hmm. with MIDI, okay, we're going to get semi-nerdy. MIDI, you've got 0 to 127, right? That's your MIDI range. Mm -hmm. And when you say something like a, a mod wheel on a keyboard... When you roll that wheel, it's basically sweeping through the range. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, why can't I just use that same range? And with a program like Ableton, you can. You can basically automate a whole performance using, so you can have, within one song, you can have 127 different sounds if you want. Mm -hmm. um, and so figuring that out and sort of, you know, huge light bulb went off and I was like, this is, the greatest thing in the world. And I, I'm, I didn't invent it. I'm sure other people will watch this and be like, dude, we've been doing that since the eighties or something, you know, maybe has <laughs> been a protocol since the eighties. So, but to me, it was like this huge light bulb went off. And then I was able to like, look at it in a really musical way rather than, you know, a, like a tech sort of way, if that makes sure. any sense. Cause yeah, I'm a drummer yeah. and I, and drumming is, is just as much visual as it is, you know, like I know what a snare drum, I see it in front of me and I know what sound it's going to make. When I go, I knew already because I can see them. When you see mm -hmm. a, a blank pad, that could be a hand clap, it could be a, a snare, it could be a bell, it could be anything. So having like assigned pads for certain things made all the sense in the world to me. So I know whenever I hit that, it's going to be some kind of snare drum. This is going to be a hand, a hand clap, you know, and I don't have to have 50 pads out there. That was sort of the, yeah. the, the genesis of all that kind of thing. And I still do basically the same stuff today on, on gigs and, and I'll program shows for other people. And 
It's mm -hmm. basically the same concept. Ableton has gotten, it has grown and it's so much easier to do now and it makes mm -hmm. way more sense and it's better and it's stronger and it's way more stable, but it's the same concept really. Yeah, and I, that was, I was just gonna ask too, um, do you have people coming to you for advice with that or for help with that? Because I feel oh, like that's, yeah. oh my gosh, it's so like, you know, it's something that people really need to know how to do. Drummers need to know how to, how yeah. to use those tools. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, like I always say, you know, it's not, it's not the add-on thing that you bring anymore. It's become the sort of the, nece the necessary thing. Every mm -hmm. pop gig needs this kind of sound because it is the difference between making it sound like the record and making it sound like a bar band that could be the best musicians in the world. But if the sounds aren't right, it's the same thing with a guitar player. If it doesn't sound like the, the right part or the keyboards, if you're kind of getting close to the sound, it's not quite there, it doesn't sound right. You know, so as close as you can get it to those sounds, but also incorporating acoustic drums and acoustic instruments, giving it that sort of live feeling. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect combination. That's the challenge, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and it's and it's not even just pop music. A friend of mine just the other day on a country gig called me up asking these questions, you know, and he was like, yeah. what gear should I get? I'll have this one and can I get the, and the new pad came out. So of course I'm pushing the new SPDSX Pro, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. And I was, I helped a lot, you know, and I mean, everybody helped in the design because this, all of these things we've been begging for for years, but, uh, I was I was a big part of the R and D for it, and I'm so happy with it. It's over here. That's why I keep looking over there. Oh, that's great, um, though. That's I did but, see that, yeah. that now, and I saw that you were, um, you know, talking about it too. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's a great instrument. But so yeah, it, it's across the board. It's it's in all styles of music, and it's and it's great, and it's another sort of another way that as drummers we can be you know, expand our musical repertoire, our, our realm, our scope of what we do as drummers, you know. For sure. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the country music thing, too, because um, so many of my friends who are drummers in the country genre have been um, the musical director on the gig and the same thing, like needing to program things, needing to trigger things and uh, yeah. You know, there are there's always like a few go to people who know all about this. I think about you um, yeah. in that way. Um, Maddie Payne out of Nashville. He's one of those yeah, guys. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So it's just that's that's fantastic. And you've actually um, done a, some teaching, too. Right. Um, at the college yeah, level. Yeah. If I'm correct. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a college out here called BIM uh, and they're all over the UK and there's one in Dublin. And I'll go in and I'll do sort of, I, there were a couple of years where I was doing like a, a, like a regular masterclass series where I'd go in because it, it is, you know, these kinds of things, there is like a certain level of technology you have to, like a base level of technology you have to understand going in. Yeah. Um, anybody can do this. It's, and if you sit with a computer or a pad or whatever, you'll be able to figure it out. Um, mm -hmm. but there is a, like a, a level that you sort of need. So I would do this sort of, you know, series of master classes where I would start at the very beginning and say, you know, this is what it takes to get to this level. And then we can start doing all this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really cool and, and they're great over here. And it's, I'm like thrilled and excited that people are excited about it. You know, that yes. these young, these young kids are coming out and you're like, you know, I want to do this. I saw you played a song and you did something, you hit something and it was making a different sound every time you hit it. How'd you do that? Yes. So, yeah. Let's get yeah. Into it. <laughs> it's right. It's so, it's so interesting. And then it kind of comes full circle in a way that like, so you're like creating electronic sounds to play in an acoustic setting. And I find so many times like working at a musical instrument manufacturer, a lot of the things that we would get asked about is, um, you know, uh, well, there's this there's this hand clap on the, you know, on the recording. I need to recreate that. But I want to do it acoustically. So, like, yeah. it's interesting how that it's like the opposite too happens where you have an electronic sound 
and then you want to figure out how to make it acoustically, which I always love too. Like that's a, that's yeah. always a challenge yeah. too. Yeah. Well, see, that was the thing when I, before all this, that was always my go-to. And I remember making records and to going on sessions and working so hard to get these sort of drum machine-y sounds with mm -hmm. acoustic drums. But I, it was like a badge of honor, you know? Yes. I, I would be like, I want to, I'm going to get that, you know, specific snare sound mm -hmm. with an acoustic drum and it's going to sound mm -hmm. awesome and they're going to think it's a drum machine. You know, I used to love yeah. doing that. And, and, you know, back in this would have been, I used to do it on the Katie gig too. I, and not, not that I, you know, I'm not a big stacking guy with the stacks mm -hmm. of things, but I used to do a China with something. I don't remember what I put in it to get a hand clap sound. That was the thing. I wanted to get like a digital hand clap. So I took yes. a small, uh, the uh, Oriental China. China trash, like yeah. A, yeah, China trash, that's it. Yeah. I took a like a 16 and I put like some splash in. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Pretty tight and I would use it as a hand clap, but that would have been back in like 08 or something. Yes, right? It wasn't like a huge thing that everyone was doing. And I saw someone do it and I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And I, but I remember doing that a ton. And then I was like, this is stupid. I was going to use a hand clap. Like, Right, let me do the films, right. Um, the Transformer. Oh, the Transformer. Those right? are the ones, the yeah. I do love the Transformer. Yeah. I love all the nasty, gross, dirty symbols. My favorite is still the Crash of Doom. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. My favorite. Yes. That was that was my favorite, you know, years and years ago. And yep. it's still, there's just something about it. Whatever that frequency is, that mm -hmm. sort of mid-range sort of, like wash and, it, and it's in all the sort of in the pop tunes they always have these big risers mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle of that riser is right where the crash of doom lands and mm -hmm. i just love it i just love that sound sonically that sonic sonically where the crash of doom sits and sonically where the like a vibraphone sits those are like my two favorite frequencies what's your favorite That's frequency right? <laughs> those that. are my those are my two yeah. favorite sort of frequencies right there like yeah, crash of doom vibraphone that is so interesting. The Crash of Doom, and not to get too symbol geeky here, but yeah. um, that symbol was so uh, varied so much from one to the next. You know, know. Some, some of them would be super flat, right? And then some of them yeah. would be super, you know, wonky is what we would call them. Yeah. So I would get the call all the time, like, can you pick me a Crash of Doom and make it like as wobbly as possible? Or, right. you know, I want one straight so I can ride on it. Like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But, that, but that frequency, They're that kind of like, um like dissonant like i don't yeah. know what it is but it's it i'm fascinated by that too um <laughs> i love it. it's, my, it's, my favorite sound. it's always it's been my main crash for like i don't even know like 15 it's years amazing. yeah it and uh dennis chambers there. dennis is the one who um yeah there's the chambers like that's right dennis chambers yeah, yeah. so funny amazing. yeah but um, okay, so so I want to kind of like go back in time before we yeah. before we run out of time today. I want to hear about like so you now are doing all of these things with acoustics, electronics, and musical directing, and all of that. But how did everything start for you? Did you like always want to play drums? Were you um, did you take lessons? How did everything begin? I mean, I did. I in my mind, I always wanted to play drums. You know, I came from a my family, my dad was a musical theater teacher, music, theater teacher in general, but every summer he'd put on these big music productions. And so that always fascinated me. Um, mm -hmm. And my mom and her sisters were fantastic singers and my grandmother as well. But that was from the, the era of, you know, you don't follow that as a woman. And my mom always wanted to be a drummer. But oh she kind of wasn't allowed to, that was just the generation that she came from. You know? Yeah. It's like, what are you, are you crazy? You're not going to be a drummer. Sure. Um, so when I, I think I saw, and I, I always tell the story, you know, I saw a rerun of Buddy Rich on The Muppet Show, The Battle with Animal. Yes. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And my mom was like, okay. <laughs> so they were really supportive from the start. And, Absolutely. And so I just kind of did it. And they didn't like force me to do it. You know, I went into band in junior high and I always played drums, but I played saxophone in junior high. 
Um, and then when I got into high school, they would always call me up from junior high to like March in the drum line. Mm-hmm. So I was like this little kid with like five drums and a giant plumed hat. <laughs> and it's like Memorial Day or, and it's you're drenched in sweat. And I'm just trying to carry this stuff. And so I, I would always be doing that when I played saxophone. And then when I finally got to high school, it was like marching band, jazz band, concert band. So I did everything on drums. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I don't, you know, high school was coming to a close. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to play drums. Like, how do I do this? So I went and I, I went to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing, you know. Yes. It was a great school. It, it's it was great because of this, this sort of immersion of being with all these musicians from all over the world and all these teachers who were just like, I, I couldn't believe their abilities, you know? Yes. And so I got really fortunate and I was able to go there and met a bunch of people. And then right out of Berkeley, I was like, well, I could either, you know, do New York, Nashville or LA so I just packed up my station wagon with drums and put the clothes, like packed the clothes inside the drums, like, put the drums, <laughs> and I just drove to LA. That's and, amazing. Like, I, the buddies out there, and we just kind of like started playing, and and it was never. I never really wanted to be like. I never wanted to like be in a band. I, I was in bands, of course, but I wasn't mm-hmm. like we're in a band and we're gonna make it. You know, I was in a million bands, but it, that was never my sort of goal mm-hmm. just like it was never my goal to like i it was never my goal to be a pop side guy you know i sure. it wasn't which is what i wanted to be the session guy i wanted to be the guy in the records and tv shows and so i when i moved to la i was lucky enough to start like right away i got on some movies and uh like commercials one commercial for it was for ford or something and it played for 10 years and it was great and every oh, once in a while the radio i hear it like i haven't read that session eight <laughs> years ago it was like the craziest thing in the world um but i got to play on some amazing tv shows uh the um do you know arrested development yes but i played on the main title of that and then some like stuff for the first season and That's uh amazing. Was, i didn't i didn't know about that i knew about um Modern Family. It was the Modern, Modern Family. family right? That's yeah. the big one. Yeah, because and and a good buddy of mine wrote the title for that, and he called me in, and he was like, uh, "It's it's a it's like a big band thing." And so in my mind, I was doing the Gene Krupa, you know, yeah. And I didn't get I didn't get it until I saw it the first time. Because it's a great main title and it fits so well with so the show. Good. It's so, so good. Yeah. But I didn't get it until I saw it because it's like they're doing their thing and we're talking and it's funny. And then mm-hmm. there's the joke and then it goes, gun, 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 gun. so it's the bucket of fish. You know, I yeah. when I saw it the first time, I was like, no way. It makes total sense now. Um, yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's like so drum heavy. I love, I love that. Yeah. It's just the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I got really fortunate and I was able to do all that stuff. And then, but I was also playing with everybody in town. You know, mm-hmm. there was an amazing scene of singer songwriters and musicians. And we would just, everyone would play with everybody. And it was the greatest. And, and Katie was part of that scene. It was like, you know, Sarah Bareilles was in there and, you know, they were all up and coming mm-hmm. and everybody would play with everybody. And Katie was one of those people. And, something happened she i would always play with her random sit in and you know play percussion or play drums whatever it was and then she needed to put a band together for like a new year show or something now i call my buddies like yeah let's do this and we that's right right before everything started to sort of take off and you know so it and then when that happened it was it was very intense and and it just took up all my time, you know, that, so that kind of, that's when my career sort of segued from I'm making records and I'm making commercials and doing these things. And I'm now a guy on the road, you know, mm-hmm. just cause it, I was gone. 
it was that's kind of how it happens you know yeah and like I, um was warp tour that was kind of like the first tour that was her first like real tour we did like right. some things i think we did south by southwest that same year mm -hmm. um yeah and i remember getting the call and, and management was like yeah do you want to go on warp tour for nine weeks and i was like nope because like, yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> And then I called him back and we were like, oh, you know what, that, that'll be cool, it's fine, I, I get it. But it, to me, Warp Tour was like, you're on like a like a minivan mm -hmm. and no one's showering and, it's, and you're waking up yeah. at 6 a.m. to like drag gear to the stage. This was different. I mean, there was, a, we, we, she was like just starting and I think she got MySpace to sponsor tour. Wow. MySpace, remember them? That's like way back, yeah. <laughs> And so they had like a giant bus and it was wrapped with like a MySpace logo, but it was also like a giant Katy Perry from the record. Mm -hmm. So everywhere we went, it was like people would just follow the bus. We're like, this is the worst idea you could have ever had. Because we're pulling out oh a gas station and all these cars would pull in and be like, well, I guess no one's getting off the bus. Um, <laughs> but it was actually, it was great. And it, and it, it was really fun to do it because the, you know, War Tour at the time, it was like a bunch of metal bands. I think like, mm -hmm. uh, like punk was, and yeah, it was like it was like hardcore and metal and punk, and like Gym Class Heroes were on it and Dillinger like yes. Escape Plan and yeah, you know, and there's like we're we're like second stage and Bring You the Horizon is playing. Mm -hmm. and then we're playing. So, like, the fans, it would be, like, Katie's fans and their fans, and then they would stop, and we would start playing, and it would be, like, this weird... But it, somehow it worked, you know, and everybody was, like, into everything. So it kind of worked out, and it, it made for a really cool vibe, and we had a great time doing it. So I'm really happy that I got to do it, because after that, it went kind of straight into, like, just full tour mode. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it was a i'm sure it was a wild ride like o over the years yeah. getting to play like you know uh, everything basically yeah. I, I ticked all the boxes you know all those things that you're like i want to play on leno and letterman and saturday night live and i want to do all those things and i got to do them and it was like some of the greatest times you know just like saturday night live in particular would have been the one that we saw all the bands on, like as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I was never gonna like that's such that's that's saved for like the elite drummers. Yes. And then I'm up there. I mean, she has me dressed in like a lion suit or something, you know, <laughs> something stupid. But like, I don't care. I'm gonna do it. Like, you dress me as whatever you want. I'm gonna. I'm happy. That was you know? that, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Um, what so you so you dressed in a lion suit were there yeah. any other memorable ones um, oh yeah totally <laughs> i was just thinking about this because my kids are super into three amigos the movie now oh right yeah. seven year old or he's eight now he's an eight year old he's always uh every night he's the like, western amigos again I'm like, okay That's yeah, so funny can, what a great and he sings along with all the songs. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I pulled up a picture of me. We Because this was her thing. Like, whenever we would go, before she had dancers and the full show, we would do all these, you know, TV appearances. And she wanted to, like, we're in Mexico, so I'm going to dress you up as this. And we're in Japan, so you're going to be in, like, whatever. It was with a martial arts uniform. It was it was a little bit weird, but at the same time, it was it all kind of worked. But we did, there was one where we were, I swear, we looked like the Three Amigos. It was amazing with the big hat and everything. But I had to, I had to put it down on my back because I kept hitting it with the, I couldn't play. Oh, I no. kept whacking the, the front brim of the hat. It was like, yes. And the upstroke. So, yeah, there was that one. There was, uh, yeah, some sort of karate uniform at one point. We were in, we dressed as pirates. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> I like, love it. Like full on, but not like, not like uh we're talking like pirates of penzance pirates so like yeah full eyeliner and like flowing it's pretty good <laughs> i was into that i think we did there was one she flew in for like a nickelodeon show she wanted mm -hmm. to fly in as joan of arc i think she flew oh in gosh. and killed somebody or and so we were dressed in like 
sort of Elizabethan denim. I don't, they made like these Elizabethan costumes, the big collars, but they were made out of like denim jackets and stuff. It's really it. weird. It was cool, but it was a little strange. <laughs> that one in particular, it was for Nickelodeon. I remember me and the bass player walked out, you know, we're taking our positions and there's like these 10 year olds in the front row and they were like, what do you think you're doing? Because <laughs> they're just, and I was like, dude, you know, this is the biz, man. <laughs> their face was just like, what? Oh my gosh. It's, it's so, pretty hilarious. It's so good. It's the biz, like, you know. You know, and it's and it's all in it's all fun too. Absolutely. You know, it's all, I love all it. I'll do anything. I love um, <laughs> talking to um talking to uh Charles Haynes, he has some really great oh, stories yeah. about playing yeah. with Lady Gaga and like you know that I can imagine <laughs> thinking it's so funny it's so it's just so funny to hear him talk about it because he's just like you know then we get there and you know this is the this is what you're wearing tonight and he was like and i i'd always shake my head like what (laughs) (laughs) that was it and there were some band members that were like nope not doing it that's that's (laughs) it i'm out and then they'd be up on stage with like a giant flower headpiece you're like, so yeah, funny. you're getting up there. You're yeah. going to do it. <laughs> no, yeah. There's no getting out of this. You're here. Yeah. It's going to happen. Amazing. It's amazing. But it was, it was all fun. I mean, there's a million dumb costumes that were amazing. Yeah. And it looks great. I get it. You know, I when I watch some of those performances back, I'm like, yeah, that looks amazing. The only one that didn't actually, I take it back. I think it was either Leno or Ellen. It was a Christmas. We were on at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So she dressed up uh, us up as elves with the big elf ears. That was not <laughs> cool. That was the one that didn't work because it was like we had to put our in-ears in and then I had to put these gen- – and they were kind of like half falling off. It was oh, no. That was a bad one. <laughs> that was the step too far. That's that's yeah, I think that's that where you have to draw the line. Yeah. You know, and all the kids are watching and the elf ears are falling off. Yeah, um, it didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't translate. No. Oh my gosh. That's so, so great though. Um, so now, you know, bringing us up to like present day, you're out there, you're touring, you're, you're teaching and, and helping other people kind of get to where they need to be um, yeah. with their, with their electronics. Um, so where should we look for you? Where should we, where should we keep an eye out for where, where you're going to be next? I mean, I don't know. Just, I mean, kind of, anywhere i mean <laughs> i'm the worst i i have the worst social media situation i'm not, i'm just i'm from the old sort of guard of i understand you know, you're out there and you're playing and to me like social media always felt like like why would who wants to watch a video of me playing drums this is yes like i'm bored recording this video <laughs> me doing this so right you know so i'm trying to get better at like putting forth the stuff. But yeah, I did a couple for the new SPDSX Pro. I mean, I did a whole series of videos for Roland, but I also, I did, I made two of the patches that are in there, two kits. Um, Very cool. And I'm really pumped. That to me was another thing that it's like, you know, you always get like, I remember I got my first keyboard. It was like a Casio MT52. Mm-hmm. And it had all these built-in little sequences. And yes. Like, somebody played that. Somebody went in there and did that. Who is it? We played this. Oh, it always fascinated me. And now I got to be that weird person that you play a loop and you're like, who wrote this loop? I love that. I'm super pumped on it. And, you know, they're really fun to play. And uh, there's a couple of things on my Instagram uh, where I made some videos down in one of my favorite bars here in uh, Ireland, down in the West, the countryside, basically. Mm hmm. It's like one of our favorite places to go and play, and we love everybody. That, the owners, it's the most amazing spot. And I went down there and just filmed, you know, just a couple playthroughs of it. And they're up on there now. You check them out. There, it's really fun. It's just like I that to me is like this old place that's been there forever. In this, you know, you walk down the and there's like a stone circle. Oh wow! Area, you know, with the most current electronic setup playing this thing and to me i love that sort of like mixture of the worlds and it was really fun 
Yeah, like what a cool juxtaposition. That's that's amazing. I'll um I'll link to your Instagram account. And I'll I'll yeah, uh, some videos too. So I'll try to put more stuff up. I'm gonna be on tour, you know, coming up next week for a few weeks. Um, but that's only in Germany. So if you're in Germany, come to the shows. It'll be fun. It'll be great. And Absolutely. then I'll put the tour dates up there too, so people Absolutely, can check that yeah. out. Absolutely, yeah, totally. And then, cool. you know, but just lots of, lots of stuff all throughout the year. It's a big surprise. Yeah. It's always, you're always doing something. I'm all, I always like, I'm fascinated to keep up with where you're at and what's going on. It's, it's always great. And, you know, super, super happy for, for you to be back out on the road too, after all the. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's, I mean, it's I, I, you know, I, look, back to the old pandemic, I know like it's whatever, but. It made me like sort of rethink drumming too, and I was able to sit at home and like practice and 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 open up some of those books that I had mm-hmm. years and years ago and go through it and be like, what am I? Why am I doing this? Like, why? What is what is it that? What's my drive now? You know, it went right. from this thing that I loved to like a like a career and a job, and now I'm at home and I. So like, what is it that I love about this now? Like, what am I, what's my goal with this? So it was a nice way to sort of reset, reset it and be like, I want to learn the stuff that I either used to do and I can't really do anymore or the stuff that I was always like afraid to learn or. Yes. So I'm I'm super into that now. I, I love just like learning as much as I can. That's amazing. I've heard that from so many people too, that like, you know, that, so many of us kind of um, got on this train that was moving real fast in one direction, right? And yeah. and then and then we were forced to look at what we were doing and why, and maybe what we intend to do in the future. It made us make like more purposeful choices, I think. Um, yeah. You know, and it and when you talk yeah. about the reset, that's that's how I think about that too. It made me made me think about how I'm spending my time and what I'm doing and what I really want to be doing. And maybe what I don't yeah. want to be doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, true. It's true. Uh, it's that was a good, you know? a good part of it. Um, but yeah, I'm glad we're all back and I really look forward to seeing you in person again soon because I know. You know it's all about soon enough, somewhere or yeah. another, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the world. Absolutely. But thank you so much for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. Absolutely. And um, again, anyone who's listening, follow Adam on social media, on Instagram. I'll link in the uh, YouTube description and the podcast show notes and um, check it out. I promise I'll put stuff up. I promise. I'll start putting more stuff up. We love it. You can be bored with me watching me play drums. No, we love it. We want to watch you. (laughs) All right. You take care, Adam. See you later. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.